0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today it is my pleasure and privilege to get someone from the other side of the world, Alan McLaren from Canada. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks Ash, nice to be here. Thank you. Alan is the CEO of Infinity he's the co-founder of Saluber MD and I'm a YPO. He was the former international chairman of YPO Gold. Alan, tell me what would you say are three key milestones in your career or life? I'll go with my career because they uh, uh, they were the
1: ones that kind of propelled me. First one was was interesting. I was working for a company called Canon which is a global brand and I started in sales and I'd, uh, I had left them to go to a, a more cushy job where I had a salary as opposed to just commission. Okay. Did that for a couple of years and then They tried to recruit me back. So I went back and did the interview. And they said, uh, we'd like to have you back, but uh, we don't pay salary. We only pay commission. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. I was a young man with a young baby in a young house, and I had to go home. I went home. I was shaking on the bed. I'll never forget it. Uh To tell my young wife, darling, we have no more salary. It's just me. We're betting on me. Anyway, she supported me. And that was kind of a catalyst for me to say, you know what? It's something I can do. I can't take a chance. So that Mm -hmm. was... The first big one for me wow. and the second one was changing industry i went to the, the it security world mm-hmm. because i was in 16 years in the uh, business equipment business moved to it security and ran a nasdaq listed company called jaws right. the transition there was not a good one you and i have often talked about failure and in this case it wasn't so much failure on my side but i discovered fraud stock manipulation all kinds of crazy stuff mm-hmm. so the experience for me was very transformative because it taught me to look deeper than the public numbers, hmm. so that was transformational for me to learn as a leadership because I had to ultimately close the business, hmm. which had uh, you know 400 employees, which was uh, which was a tough one. Wow. And the third one was my entrepreneurial journey. Uh-huh. I uh, when I joined Infinity, I became a real entrepreneur where if you're not making it, you're using your credit card for payroll and all those other that's things. So those are the three
0: fantastic. big ones that kind of got me. That's fantastic. So let's talk Infinity. Com. Tell me about the kind of work you're doing. We really, or an organization, as a
1: creative marketing agency, we really do five things. So the first thing we do is strategy. So we help people figure out to make sure they have their ladder on the right wall before we tell them what to do. And then we help them figure out what storytelling mediums that we have to kind of figure out. What are we going to do? What platforms? What are the engagement strategies that we have to work on? What are the messages? And what's the content? And all of that kind of manifests either in a campaign or day-to-day work. Uh, and or thought leadership program for mm-hmm. CEOs. So those are the things we do. So we, we're working a lot in the thought leadership space today and we're doing a lot of campaigns for businesses to help them tell their story in a very fast way. So
0: those are the things we're working on today. Fantastic and you know, when I was reading about you, I loved reading this phrase, believing in what is per- possible is the purpose of business. Tell me more about this philosophy. Well, for us, it's,
1: you know, Simon Sinek with that famous uh, uh, author uh, that talked about why. Mm -hmm. And so we went through our process and came up with we believe in what possible and how that manifests in our businesses. We think big. So when any client approaches us, we don't look at their budget and say, what ideas do we have based on the budget? We say, what are the craziest things we can think about Mm -hmm. without budget? And then we'll apply budget and say, okay, we can't do this. So we'll do that. So we're thinking about what's possible Mm -hmm. and that's helped us think a little deeper than just saying well they've only got 3,000 a month so we'll do this for them. So it gets away from the commoditized world and
0: thinks uh, really creatively. So that's an ethos into our business. Okay. You've been involved with building brands for a long time and I know that you're also now building personal brands. My question to you is what goes into building a successful brand? Well the first thing is to really know who you
1: are, number one, is it whether it's a personal brand or a corporation, you have to know who you are. You have to know what you want to be. If it's not, if who you are is not where you want to be, then you have a gap that you've got to figure out what you're doing to try to close that gap. Because whether companies realize it or not, and you're obviously an expert in branding, everybody has and every company has a brand, whether they believe it or not, right? And the simple test is, you know, ask a question, what do you think about when you hear their name? Right. Mm-hmm. And then the attributes come out. So So what we try to figure out is, and what's the gap analysis between where you are and where you want to be? What do your suppliers think of you, your customers think of you, and your employees think of you? Mm -hmm. It's an interesting exercise because you'll get three different answers. Mm -hmm. So to build the brand, you really have to close the gap. Mm -hmm. And you close it, I think, first with making sure your ethos is very clear, like ours is at infinity. Mm -hmm. Once you have that, that's your North Star. Mm -hmm. And then everything else has to be dealt with. And the way that we think about brand is... Every single touch point that everything you do, whether it's answering a phone, a supplier visiting, a, an employee, someone you're recruiting, your brand has to be completely consistent in that experience. And then you'll have an opportunity to build
0: your brand with messaging and brochures and videos and things like that. So that's kind of the basis for us. It's very fascinating. You know, so I was speaking to some other people uh, last week on personal branding. And I was asking them a simple question, which I'm going to ask you as well. When I was growing up in the corporate world, what was very critical was to write your vision and mission statement. And I know companies do it even today. But I was asking them, I said, today, I think companies have to say, what does your brand stand for? What are your brand values? What are your thoughts? I I agree with you because what
1: happens with most people who do their vision and mission statements is it sits in a room somewhere and no one ever looks at it again. So you've got to find a way, and and this, so that's why I like the ethos or the why, because that becomes ultimately your purpose. When you have a purpose, that's something people can get behind. And, oh, by the way, it should never come from the corporate boardroom. It should come from an iterative process with your staff. Mm-hmm. Then they all believe in it and are part of it. And I think so I agree with you. There's nothing wrong with the vision and mission process. correct? But the ultimate statement often just gets lost in marketing, gobbledygook. So I, I'm agreeing
0: with you. Correct. And, you know, last time when we were speaking, you do a lot of work in the digital world. Yes. How do brands adapt to this incredibly fast-changing digital
1: world? Well, you know, a lot of brands have been trying and COVID's helped a lot of people accelerate their, as we all know, accelerate, we can call it pivot, whatever it happens to be. Even in our world, Nash, we've learned... What we're doing today is a digital expression of what we might have done in person before. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so what what we're doing all brands have to do is understand at the end of the day what is their current experience, what's their digital experience, how do they bring them together. Mm-hmm. And and the best example is retail. I mean, if we think about retailers, they have e-commerce and they have physical stores. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I I hear answers like, well, you've got to go online to get that. And that drives me crazy because we've got to create a seamless experience. If you're a retailer, they call it omni-channel, but the word really means if I want this pen, you're going to get it to me as efficiently as possible. Mm. That's, the, that's the game that has to be played. And all businesses are going to move to that world, right. B2B, B2C, because the competition, if Amazon can deliver within an hour of ordering online, mm. if you can't get there, you're going to be in big trouble. That's so I think that's the world we need to get to.
0: That's well said. So one more question on Infinity Com before I move to your next business. Yeah. and you know the the e-commerce platforms have are having a major impact all over the world since you're in canada i want to ask you this question that how is the canadian consumer reacting to the onslaught of all the e-commerce platforms versus the brick and mortar stores
1: well you know there's i think there's the answer of what is today and what will be tomorrow i think that they're adapting well to e-commerce. I think that's really simple because if you just look at the amount of boxes being delivered, every courier company on the planet is overloaded with business. So that kind of just tells you that that part of the world is flourishing. And and because now people don't want to be physically together, then the bricks and mortar become a problem. So you look at their traffic numbers are way down. So I think that that's why the, the angle of ensuring you have a seamless experience whether you're selling an appliance or you're selling a pen or you're selling groceries, mm-hmm. you know some of the grocery stores local here, they say, "Well, that's our department of of inter of uh, e-commerce, mm-hmm. and this is our store." And I'm going, no, no, no. They want to buy a sweet potato. You need to get them a sweet potato, mm-hmm. and so that's the challenge that businesses are facing on physical and and again, real real estate. Unless you're doing a real estate play, very expensive. Mm-hmm. E-commerce is a le- least expensive way to reach it. So in Canada, e-commerce is really
0: ruling the roost at this point, And I think it will continue to do so. Wow. So Aaron, let's move to your other business, Saluber MD. Yeah. You know, when I was reading about this, Saluber means healthy in Latin. Tell me about this business and what is what goes behind this name? Yeah, well, the name, I'll start with the name. So
1: the name came from uh, our CEO, who is Italian and very creative, very Latin. So he came up with the name and he liked the fact that it had Uber in it originally, mm-hmm. uh, because it was a very uh, distributed model. Yeah. Uh, but the the business ultimately is a, is a digital platform for access to medical services. Okay. And it really is three areas, right? It's health, wellness, and disease management. So the healthy side is if you're sick, normally you go to a doctor today, now you can do it over video. Nothing really uh, remarkable about that because that's happening all around the world. But then there's a wellness component where we say, okay, so if you're sick, that's great. But, How do we help you stay well? Mm. And there's tips and articles. And then there's disease management for people who are ill, diabetes Mm. and heart. So how do we monitor them? Mm. And if you think about it, it's about a health continuum. People Mm. do get sick, people want to stay well. And sometimes half the people in the world have some sort of comorbidity. Mm. So our role is to make this cell phone Mm. your access to the medical system. Okay. And we're in um, you know, we started in Italy and we're we were in the US, in the Middle East. And now we're moving into Europe and, and Asia. So we're very excited about the opportunities that we're doing there. And, and are you in Canada, of course? We're not actually. Surprisingly, I'm in Canada, but we're not in Canada. Canada is a public health system, and that's a little more challenging. Not that it's not here because we have competitors. I just made a decision at this point. It's not worth coming into Canada because the market's too small relative to what we're doing in the rest of the world. We may come at
0: some point. You, you answered maybe. my question because I'm going to ask you in a, in a country which has got such an incredible healthcare system. How does Salubra MD work in Canada? But, well, uh, very similar to it, no, but see, Italy is also that, right? It's also a public <laughs> health system as well.
1: So what you do is you go to the places where people are used to paying for services, right. physiotherapy and, and all the other services, the ancillary services, mental health. So that's what we've done successfully in Italy. And we're, uh, we're we have to adapt our model to each right. of the
0: different models in the world. And that's what we're doing. Absolutely. You know, coming back, You know, staying with health for a little while, Tell me a little bit more about what you can do on this little device that you have. What can I uh, from a patient perspective?
1: So the device that we're building is called the core X medical device. It's essentially a watch. Uh, and what it is, is if you, and we can actually help Apple or look at Apple. Apple's got they started before we did because they've got a little bit more money than we did and a few more engineers than we did. But it, what it ultimately does is when we talked about monitoring patients remotely, This watch allows you to do an EKG remotely, so you can actually get a sense if you have any arrhythmia in your heart. Mm. It has something called SpO2, which is pulse oxygenation, Mm. which is very important today in COVID, because one of the symptoms in COVID is shortness of breath. So if your oxygenation is low on the watch, you sit there going, oh my goodness, I've got a 94 reading, I better speak to a doctor. Uh, And then it has heart rate, but an actual heart rate, meaning uh, not one that is a guess, because a lot of the... You know the other products in the world are kind of guessing at your heart this is your actual heart rate and then it has all the fitness tools and timers and stuff like that so uh, and then as we move along we're going to be able to detect sleep apnea and all kinds of other things so it really becomes a way
0: to control your health patient controlling your health versus the doctor controlling and i'm assuming that all this data is being fed back into a server in a hospital or your healthcare practitioner
1: Correct and the privacy is of utmost importance as you know because it is patient data but that data will be housed uh, without obviously people knowing who they are because that's important and the data will be helpful for insurance companies and health practitioners to kind of figure out what's happening in their population as well.
0: Fascinating I mean healthcare is something which is the bane of the developing world certainly you know and if it's you can get this kind of digital data it will be invaluable. Yeah. So Alan let's move to you, you know, YPO, an organization that you and I both love. When did you join YPO? Well,
1: we're aging ourselves, but I do have a little gray, so I'm okay with that. 1999, I uh, I joined in, in Montreal, Quebec, actually, which is oh. where I was originally born. And I, oh. so I, I
0: started there. It was uh, it was a long time ago, 20 years, yes. I guess. Right? Well, wow. I joined, I, I think I joined five years before you did. So, Well, well you're my, younger I, than I am. It is more harder than, than yours, so. Yeah, you're smarter than I am. You got in early. (laughs) So, no, I I joined in Singapore. So, you know, uh, so, uh, Alan, you've had several leadership positions. My question to you is what made you give back so much to this incredible organization? Well, you know, I call it the accidental
1: leadership journey. So when I was in YPO, and for those who don't know, YPO is before you're 50. And then when you're over 50, you go into now called gold. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hadn't done anything on the YPO side. I was what we'll call a passenger. I just waited for the organization to deliver stuff Mm -hmm. to me. And then someone made a phone call. I'll never forget. I was walking in downtown Toronto and said, I need you to be my learning chair for next year. Can you do it? And I said, well, it's my turn. So I did that, and for those who know me know that I don't do anything halfway, so I did the best I could, and we won some awards and had some recognition, it was great, and I became chapter chair, and then I just kept watching this thing evolve from from thing to thing to thing, and all of a sudden, I'm regional chair, and then someone asks me, well, we'd like to promote you for the international board, and I said, what's that? I didn't even know what it was. Correct. So so it was an accidental journey, and then ultimately, I guess when you do good work in the world and you, and, and then what people reflected back on me was the reason that you were successful is because it was never about you. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew that you were doing the best for the organization. That's why it helped me grow that. So I kept giving back because it made sense to give back. Mm -hmm. And I I enjoyed the experience. And quite frankly, you know, you and I met because I was giving back and we, and now we're, so you look at the world, you're still going all those deposits you make in the world of YPO uh, come back to you a hundredfold. Absolutely. with relationships and opportunities and so I kept giving back and continue to give back and will continue to give back as long as they want to have me because it's, uh, for me, I would argue life-changing. Everything you see behind me is part of that journey wow. that I had in YPO, all the different things that I was able to do. So that's, uh, that's why I continue to give back. Yeah. That's
0: fantastic. And one more question for YPO. You know, A lot of young people will watch you and me talking and of course a lot of YPOs are watching. I've had a lot of them on my show. Yes. Why should a young startup founder CEO or a young CEO come to IPO? It's
1: pretty lonely when you're trying to climb that ladder by yourself. It's amazing when you've got people who've done it a hundred times. And so if you want to, you'll never have that opportunity because you can't take it to your family if you have issues because they're involved in your life. Uh, if you take it to your friends they have a perspective and a filter but not necessarily expertise in business the beauty of twenty nine thousand members in 130 odd countries is there's somebody that's done exactly what you're doing or something similar that can help you so if you want to be helped in your journey and also the other thing i will say is for a young person is also a window into the future not only about your business but your family when i mentor young people i also tell them this i said look as you're building this Been an amazing business. Don't forget family. Don't forget friends. Don't forget health. Because you will, if you sacrifice them, you'll be on the other side of the mountain. You'll have this big pile of dough, and you'll go, "What did I do that for?" Remember to make deposits in all those areas as you're growing, because they can't see thirty years down the road. We've been there, so that's why people can help in that way. And uh, I just tell them, join it because if you, it'll change your life, and and that's what it does for a lot of people.
0: Fantastic. So I'm going to move to the last segment of my show with you, which is some questions for you personally. Yes. My first question is, what does success mean to Alan? If uh, For me, it's pretty simple. If every
1: interaction that I have with every human being, I help improve the, the fun we have or the relationship we have, then that's all it is. I don't have any lofty goals that change the world, but I think if you change... Every interaction with every human being, then you're making a little difference one at a time. And so for me, that's one of the definitions of success. But ultimately for me, it's it's family. At the end of the day, my relationship with my wife, 35 years married, two children. Uh, if, if if they look at me as a good father and a good wife, a good husband and a good person, then I've been successful. All the other things, the trappings that we all have access to are are important but they're not the goal and they're not a definition of success because you can have all that money in the world and be very lonely and I know that I can check the box and say I've done a good job on the family side because it isn't
0: the most important part of my life so that's how I define success. Terrific, terrific. My next question is what drives you and where do you draw your inspiration from? You know, it's a great question. I I, I I thought
1: about that. I don't have any any uh, profound things other than everything I do, I try to do the best of my ability. And so, and that sounds like a little cliche, mm-hmm. but it means if I take on a role, you can count me. At the end of the day, if you ask me to do something, it will get done. It'll get done when it's supposed to be done. If otherwise you'll know about it. So I think my inspiration for that is really, um, the word is excellence, not perfection. I think it's important to do good things. And it doesn't matter if it's being there for a friend or doing a marketing plan or being, on, being there for your kids. Mm-hmm. It's all the same. It's, you make a commitment, follow it through. And you'd be amazed at how important that is in the world. If you can be counted on, then people will count on you. Okay. And that's, I think, an important thing. For me, my inspiration is the, the, the reaction people get when they get what, what they're expecting from mm-hmm. you as a human. So that would be how I would define it.
0: You know, you you spoke a little while ago about you deliver what you commit to. My question to you is how do you set your own personal and professional goals? Well, you know, I, I, I used to be the guy who wrote it all down. And I
1: know that Harvard studies say that's the right thing to do. And so I was great. But as I got older, I started to just visualize on where I wanted to be. And that was where I, I'd set my path on. I'd look at something and whether it was the business, i okay, where do we want to be in five years, three years, two years, whatever that is, and visualize what that felt like. And then what that did is inspire me to put down the tactics to get the things done. So, you know, people talk about the secret and all those things. Yeah, whatever the universe says, mm-hmm. well, the universe is just responding to the actions that you take. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about it to do it. So in my world, I always think about it. Uh, I don't do that in my family because that's just day-to-day, be a good, loving human being. So that's easy for me. But on the business side, it would be more about think about it, visualize it, and then take action, and then measure it. I do measure it, and, and I'm quick to toss something out. If something's not working, out it goes. Bring a new one. It's okay to fail, fail fast, move on, and then get to the next one because I don't look at anything that we, we tried. it. We tried, it. well, yeah, well, we didn't try it until it worked, so we keep trying it until it works, or we're going to move to the next one. So
0: that's what I do. Well, my next question is Alan if you were a role model to millions of children who closely followed your life choices what is the one thing you would change in yourself
1: Such a deep question you know i i'm not sure there's anything i would change because i learned i got something a great gift from my mom who's mm-hmm. passed maybe 11 years ago now
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she taught me that loving is the secret sauce to life mm-hmm you can love men, you can love women, you can love children, you can love animals, you can love everything. And what I would impart on them is to say, it's okay to not be afraid of loving people. I think that, so I don't know if it's a change for me, but it certainly be something I would want to, I probably don't express that enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, when you think about all the best people in the world, whether, you know, Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King, whatever, there was an expression of love to, to, to get somewhere. Okay. Right? And so... I think that, and that's the part we're suffering with right now in the world. And I think that if we had more kindness and more love, and I know I sound a little right now, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, when we really think about it, come down to the human level, we're all humans. And I think that's what I would impart more
0: to younger people. Wonderful. And my last question to you, you know, and I come back to the pandemic, which seems to have changed all our lives across the whole world. How are you rethinking your life in the new world order?
1: Well the biggest one for me is do we actually need an office? I mean we've been out of our office for you know since this started and just a quick story I went into it last Friday because we had to do some video work mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like I was in the right place. Okay. I felt like I I needed to come back to my home office. Uh-huh. So I think there's a rethink about work, about how our employees will interact in the future, how we'll interact in the future, because this will be around for a while. But I also look at it as, I think, additive as opposed to something that's a negative. I think that now we'll look at work and say we don't have to be there from 8 till 5. We can be there to do the work that we need to be together on mm-hmm. uh, and then have the flexibility to come and go as we please. So so for me, that was a learning because as an older guy, I kind of like people in the office and going home at a regular time and then, you know, the connections. But I'm, I'm learning that that's not important anymore because, look, we've been so successful doing this but what's missing is the connection and I mm. think so we're going to find a blend of that so that's what I've, I've been thinking about a lot mm. because we've got to be mindful the most thing is our, our mental health for our, ourselves and our staff mm. and being isolated is not good for humans so we've got to make sure we balance that so those are the things that I, I'm thinking about a lot. That's
0: it. Alan thank you so much it's been such a pleasure speaking to you I wish you lots of success.
1: Thank you, Ash. It was a pleasure speaking with you and uh, always enjoy our interactions.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You, Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in.